Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, returning guest. His name is John Brisson. He runs the We've Read the Documents YouTube channel, and I've had him on a few times. I actually just reposted one of the interviews that was very well received. Uh, I got a lot of positive feedback from it. It was about the Council on National Policy. A lot of people didn't know about that, me, myself included. So I would recommend going back within the last week I uploaded that. But in the far, farther back in the past, we talked about the finders. John has done a lot of independent research into the finders. He's actually publishing a book in parts on his Substack, And I'll put a links to that book, but he's been published so far. I think he's published a couple episodes so far on his Substack. I, I published public. about 90 odd pages of the book so far. Right, I got about cool. 150, well, 180 of it written, but I'm kind of doing cool. it in chronological order publishing it. So awesome. Well, congratulations. And, uh, that other show, there was a lot of stuff about the finders I didn't understand. I had kind of a topical understanding, but now I see it much broader within the context of a lot of intel and child trafficking and stuff like that. So there might be some difficult, uncomfortable subject matter we're talking about if we're talking about Satanism. So maybe you should watch out if uh, young children are listening in the background or maybe somebody might be a little sensitive about that. But uh, John reached out to me, said he had, had some more information. You can see on YouTube, he's got this... Uh, uploaded from his site about investigative leads about uh, some of these characters involved in the finders. So, John Brisson, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you for having me, William. It's a pleasure to be on William Ramsey Investigates. Uh, cool, man. I'm glad. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, um, I appreciate your research as a fellow researcher as well and fellow brother in Christ. So it's great to be back uh, on with you and to discuss the finders and um, some more information that I have found, of course, writing my book. And, um, you know, as you as an author, as investigative journalist you, yourself, uh, you know, see, you know, uh, searching out information and trying to get documents and trying to interview people uh, and try to get them on the record, uh, you know, to, to, to see um, uh, what their opinions are or if they can give any um information about what you're investigating, which is true investigative journalism. A lot of people really don't do it anymore, actually. Um, instead, they um, kind of just, uh, I don't know, write a lot from um, uh, newspaper articles, <laughs> you know, or just retell <laughs> what other people have said instead of trying to figure out if it's true or not. You know, There's a lost art of investigative journalism and, and being an author, I guess. Uh, but, um, but what you see in front of you is there was an investigative leads memo that was, um, put out forth, uh, by, uh, investigative journalists. And, um, he also ran, uh, the magazine, Steve, Steve, uh, steam shovel press, uh, Ken Thomas, uh, he had released, uh, this, uh, investigative leads memo, uh, out, uh, uh, to the public, uh, back during the late nineties on, um, kind of like the, uh, the message boards, uh, that, that were out there, the numerous message boards that was before my time, but like the BB, uh, bulletin board message boards that were out there, uh, and everything that a lot of researchers had got together to kind of, to post their research on and, uh, cooperate their work together. Uh, but, um, but this is actually the investigated leads, uh, uh, memo in above itself. And, uh, parts of it that Ken Thomas had released, uh, kind of like in this control, uh, you know, mail server newsletter type aspect. Um, there are parts of it that were missing. Uh, this has never before been seen uh, that has been published to my knowledge uh, that I wanted to publish, uh, you know, in my book and, you know, to come on your channel and also discuss it, too, as well uh, with, with your audience, uh, because this does give us more leads. This does give us more information. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I know at the top it says that whoever had this investigative leads memo, uh, they wrote that it had written uh, by finders, a member, operation member, uh, Diane Sherwood. Um, I'm not necessarily uh, so sure on that. Uh, we really don't know whom uh, wrote this memo. Uh, I discussed in my book that, that you know, I, I was able to contact certain people and rule them out, uh, like Daniel Brandt or uh, investigative journalist Charles Solka, uh, who said they did not write this memo. Uh, but we really don't know who wrote this memo. It could have been written by uh, a, a Finders member because uh, some of the Finders group splintered off after uh, the um, 1987 Tallahassee incident and actually kind of supposedly came against Marion Petty. Uh, and so maybe this could have been written by Dan Diane Sherwood or, or, or a finder's member, uh, but I doubt it. I mean, this, this investigative lease memo has so much information in it that I've spent a majority of my book trying to prove it, if it's true. And I can tell you that it does appear to be the case that it is true. Uh, at least from what I've seen and what I've been able to research. And, you know, we have certain resources like newspaper articles and there's a, the interview with Marianne Petty with uh, Ken Thomas and, and author uh, Lynn Bracken uh, that was published in the Steam Shovel Press. Uh, and there's uh, a, a, an article out there by investigative journalist Charles Soka who knew uh, members of the Finders uh, before the 1987 incident. Um, and uh, a, a book uh, by uh, Finders uh, operation member Toby Terrell uh, which is known as the game caller. Uh, and so you got to try to verify, okay, uh, is what is an investigative leads memo is what is put forth by these other people, including Marion Petty himself. Can we back it up? Is it true? Um, and yeah, somewhat I've been able to, uh, hopefully I'll continue finding more information. I've interviewed people. Um, you know, I would say that I, I can back up and show that 90% or more of this investigative leads memo is, is corroborated with what we know about the finders. Um, and so I just wanted to go over a little bit of it today it. with you and your audience, because it, it really does show uh, Marion Petty's connections to the mil United States military industrial complex and the United States central intelligence agency. So maybe we can just do for people who didn't listen to part one, just do a brief overview, the Tallahassee incident, and kind of maybe do a little bit of background and then we can go into this. Yes. So in February, in February, 1987, um, uh, there in, in a park in Tallahassee, Florida, Myers park, um, there was a, a van, um, that, um, within the park that had, uh, two of the finders operation members, uh, who were Douglas, uh, Edward Ammerman and James Michael Hollowell. And um, with them were uh, six kids that were of the finder's operation. There's a lot of misconception going around that they were trafficking those specific kids. Um, no, they were kids of members of the finder's operation. That could be verified uh, through news reports. Uh, and some of the finder's children themselves have gone on the record as adults. Um, and so we do know that, uh, for example, Michael Hollowell, supposedly uh, his uh, uh, adopted or, or, or stepdaughter, uh, not adopted, stepdaughter, should I say, um, was um, uh, Mary or, or Jordan Rico, uh, the oldest, one of the oldest children that were there at the Myers Park incident. She was around the age of six or seven. Uh, so, you know, the, these were kids from the uh, finders operation. Uh, and, you know, they were disheveled at the park. 
Um, they were dirty. Uh, they were unkempt. Uh, and so there was a concerned citizen, um, Cindy Johnson, who uh, made the call uh, to the Tallahassee Police Department about these children. Because it's kind of odd to see like two uh, well-dressed adults with, you know, next to kind of like a sketchy uh, white Ford van, uh, you know, with all of these disheveled and unkempt uh, children, you know, probably wearing poor clothing or, you know, maybe not having shoes, you know, and they range from the ages of six to uh, one year old, uh, you know, so it's kind of like, okay, that's kind of odd, uh, you know, so they end up becoming arrested. And when the police, uh, Tallahassee police go to arrest them, uh, they kind of like, um, they don't tell them, you know, like Michael Howell just doesn't go, well, you know, my, my, my stepdaughter is, um, is, is, uh, is, um, is, is Jordan, uh, you know, I'm her, you know, her stepfather, like they don't, you know, give any uh, reason why the kids are with them. Right. They kind of just play mom's mom is the word to the cops. And, 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 uh, one of them kind of faints and like planks, uh, and everything. And they kind of give them a card that says that they are taking the kids to some special school in Mexico or something, you know? So of course the cops looking at all this, they're like, okay, this is weird, you know? And so they arrest, um, you know, uh, Omerman and Howell, uh, and they take the kids into custody. Uh, so then, you know, it ends up breaking news that this has happened. Okay. And then they, uh, so they, the Tallahassee Police Department contacts the United States uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation, and then the FBI gets involved, and then the Customs Department gets involved because they believe that there's trafficking going on, and then so then that's when they start, you know, investigating the finders, and they re raid uh, the W uh, Street apartments that the finders had owned, and they raid uh, the warehouse that the finders had owned in Washington, D.C., and they raid uh, the Free State area, which was kind of near Culpeper, Virginia. It's like all this farmland. Uh, that the, the that the um different houses and stuff like that that the that the, the finders operation had owned um and that's when you know we get the report the infamous customs report by Ramon, Ramon J Martinez a customs officer about you know uh, you know the, the things that were discussed uh that most people when they learn you know read about the finders you know uh they they find that they have you know alleged pictures of you know of, of naked chicken and children chicken children um and they have um uh a, a book which we'll discuss a little bit later uh called the execution of henrietta and igor which were these goats that the fighters operation had on the free state farmland uh and you know th that there's kind of like they kind of like found like ramon supposedly found like a, an album like an album that had like a, like so like a photo album that someone have, and it has written on the top of the execution of Henrietta and Igor. And so in these pictures, supposedly were some of the fighters members dressed up in robes with the children as they're slaughtering the goats. Okay. As they're killing the goats. All right. And, and the, and Henrietta uh, is pregnant and they're, you know, they're open up the uterus, you know, they're taking out uh, the, the, the goat fetuses, uh, you know, like one of the kids, have the head of a goat on a silver platter, you know, and these kids are ranging from six to one or two, you know, and so the fighters' excuse for this, fighter operations' excuse for this is, well, it was just for them to 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 have an experience of animal husbandry. You know, butchers and farmers back in the day used to have their kids butcher the animal. Uh, and I would say, well, yeah, but I don't think they would have a one or two-year-old child there as they're butchering the animal if all possible. Okay, like I it's understand like that we've been- It's like a true detective or something like 
Yeah, like I understand that we're removed from the farm, you know, in our modern lives. But even then, that seems a little bit too much of a stretch. And most of the people that try to um, downplay Goatgate, as they called it, uh, like uh, a Finders Operation member who I've written about on my Substack, uh, Hunter Patch Adams. Yes, uh, 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 Hunter Dory Patch Adams, D Patch Adams from the movie Patch Adams that Robin Williams played, okay, was a Finders member. All right. And had very close relationship with Marion Petty and the finders operation and where he got the money to, 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 to try to build his free hospital. The Gazunt the Gazun, the Gazuntite Institute came from a, a loan of Marion Petty and Marion Petty gave him the rights, mineral rights, which he sold to fund that hospital. Okay. So, you know, like he, when, let me see if I can find, um, his... And then you proved Petty was like an intel guy connected to the CIA. So there's intel connections, there's real occultism, pedophilia. And I think in that truck in St. Petersburg, they had some kind of rudimentary online con- communication device, right? It was just mm-hmm. in Tallahassee. Intel. They were using um, TS computer devices to communicate each other through a private bulletin board. Um, and, uh, uh, their technology uh, was kind of advanced for the time, but then again, not really. Like I talked to um, Ramon Joe, Ramon J. Martinez's partner on the record, uh, Robert Harold, who was kind of like an IT guy for the customs department, uh, and you know he discussed a lot of the technology that the finders had. And he said, "Yeah, it was pretty high tech for the average person to have this stuff, right? But but it wasn't, you know, some of it was not high tech either. You know, like they had a mixture." Uh, you know, there was a satellite dish uh, that was found in in the warehouse of the finders in Washington D.C., where supposedly, according to uh, uh, Washington Metro Police Department uh, officer John Stitcher, uh, that they were allegedly shooting child pornography there at the warehouse. Uh, so, and again, one thing I do want to pref- preface uh, is something that I you know talk about in the book. I have a disclaimer at the beginning. We really don't know who's evolved because the fighters operation was a highly compartmentalized operation. We don't know exactly unless I make specific statements. Like we know uh, fighters member Theodore Gregory Reese was convicted a few years ago on child pornography charges in his advanced age in his eighties. Okay. So that's something that you can, I can say that he is a pedophile. He's a convicted pedophile. It's on the record. Okay. And in Maryland, all right. So that's you know a claim that I can make that he is a pedophile, all right. But 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 you know, since it's such a highly compartmentalized operation, we really don't know who was all involved in the intelligence operations, the trafficking, unless I make specific ins- you know, note where that is the case of where it's ha- where, where it has occurred. And I will say this too as well. We don't know if the six children in and of themselves that were found in the Tallahassee incident, if they were molested, okay? Um, Some of them have gone on the record and say that they were not. Uh, One of them, who I will not name, uh, said that his childhood was pretty bad in the finders. That's what he did go on the record for and said that he he, he does not want to discuss it because, you know, he will say this, he will go on the record for this, that it was not a good experience, okay? So we ha- we have to make the claims with the evidence that we have, and the and the doctor who examined the children for for um, uh, uh, sexual molestation, Doctor Moore, well, he's deceased. So you know, 
it's not clear cut evidence like it is in McMartin with uh, Mary Rico's partially, possibly partially uh, broken hymen. Uh, and I think it was, uh, I want to say the child's name was, uh, it was Howell the third, James Michael Howell third, Howell's son. Uh, they claimed that he, he uh, may have had loose sphincter control, but they even mentioned that it could have been from constipation. With my knowledge of digestive health, that really can't happen. Their diet was very poor vegan diet on whatever they can get. And occasionally they were rewarded with snacks. Okay. Very rarely. Like the kid's diet was atrocious. All right. So it would make sense that they were constipated. They had digestive issues. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I don't want to make claims about the fighter's operation that I can't back up. And there's a lot of claims out there, but I will say that there is likely that, you know, with the most confidence, I say 90% and 95% confidence, if they were working for United States intelligence agencies and non-government, um, you know, non-governmental uh, organizations, non-government organizations yeah. and corrupt local and state governments and, and maybe uh, federal governments around the world, uh, you know, and a lot of it was them gathering intelligence and trying to, um, corrupt the counterculture movement uh that i can prove uh with a very high confidence now the other stuff as far as trafficking outside of those six kids yeah there's some definite evidence of that too what's going on blackmailing of 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 united states state department dip you know diplomats and stuff like that and everything there's proof of that them working uh them running a uh computer uh um company to train cia employees on uh, informational technology. I can prove that with very much confidence too as well. So there are things that can't be proven. So you can't, and I would also say this too, prefaces too, don't go harass the finders members. You know, like, first of all, it makes it difficult for any further research to be done for one. And two, we really don't know who was involved in this, except I could say with confidence that Marion Petty, as being the leader of the finders operation, you know, working in tandem with, intelligence agencies and the United States military industrial complex and non-governmental organizations likely knew a majority, if not all of everything that went on with the finders. Right. So they had a central figure and he came from like military intelligence, right? World War yes. II. And right. we, we could, we could talk about that in the investigative leads memo because it covers it on here. Uh, so it starts with Petty met Joseph Chang, a Chinese agent operating under journalistic cover in 1939 and remained in close contact with him throughout the war. Around this time, Petty also made connections with the OSS through George Varga, Earl Brody, and Nick Vonman, uh, low-level OSS officers. Sometimes, sometime near the end of the war, Chang introduced Petty to Charles E. Marsh at the National Press Club. Now, Petty actually later, I found documents where he was a registered member of the National Press Club in the late 80s and, late, and early 90s. And actually, the finders... Uh, developed the National Press Club website that was used in the 90s. Okay, so they had infiltrated the National Press Club. Um, and so, you know, that that's, that's there's a lot of truth there that can be found. Uh, Marsh, who ran the best uh, private intelligence network of his era, was an intimate of FDR, Henry Wallace, and later Lyndon Baines Johnson, became Petty's mentor and role model, shaping his career. Marsh's mentor and role model was Colonel Edward M. House in the in the 1950s and 60s, Marsh provided funds for Petty to purchase hundreds of acres of farmland in Madison and uh, Rappanook counties in Virginia, near his estate in Culpeper County. Later, Petty arranged for William Yandel Elliott of Harvard University to purchase property adjacent to him in uh, Madison County. So, 
we do know that he's connected to Chang because Toby Terrell mentions in his book, The Game Caller, about Chang and to discuss his Petty's relationship with Joseph Chang. Okay. And so we know that is true. We know also because uh, he's he's connected with Charles E. Mar e. Marsh as well. Um, again, from the game caller, uh, Toby Terrell, uh, Marion Petty also mentions knowing Marsh. Um, and um, and as far as later on, it talks about who Petty chauffeured from. Um, we know that's true, that he chauffeured uh, Ira Aker. Uh, he chauffeured uh, um, George C. Marshall, George Patton, uh, G. Edgar huge Hoover. Names, right. Oh, very huge names, yeah. yes. Uh, when he was working for the Army Air Corps, because I found an obituary, and I think I shared it with the last, the second stream on the fighters that we did, of his brother, Russell Clinton Petty. Now, his brother, Russell Clinton Petty, was a chauffeur for the Army Air Corps. And what did he do? We chauffeured around the same people his brother, Marion Petty, did. So who do you think got him the job? Marion Petty did. So, you know, we can prove that. And also, I got a, a author, uh, Lynn Bracken, on the record, too, as well, in my book, uh, who said that when he met Marion Petty, Marion Petty showed him all of, you know, of his, you know, times of when he was a chauffeur. And it was a well known that he chauffeured all these people and showed him proof, uh, you know, that that was the case of that's what he was doing for the Army Air Corps. Now, I put in for his veteran records. I should be able to get him before because it's before 1975 and he's deceased. I hope I can. Uh, but, you know, that would further even prove. Now, I have some evidence off of off of. um uh ancestry.com that proves that marion petty was up in the, in the united states air corps because he got hospitalized for uh otis media for an ear infection in the 1950s okay so i do have that i do have records that he was in the military he was in the army air corps like he said he was but these are his military connections i mean he even supposedly according to him through toby terrell book the game caller and I do believe this to be true based off of what Lynn Bracken said to me. He drove around presidents, too, even before they became presidents, like LBJ, for example. And wow. LBJ had an affair with Charles Marsh's wife. Wow. So it all connects. I mean, it's there. <clears throat> really um, fascinating. And this something that adds veracity to this document is actually the use on the like six sentences, six sentences down on this uh, paragraph is the use of the word talent spotter. That's a very known Intel uh, term for people to find people at high, you know, law schools, call elite colleges and try to recruit them into some form of some form of Intel in a very broad sense. So that's a, that's a curious term just to see. That. And there is yeah. numerous connections between Marion Petty and the finders in Georgetown university. Uh, I haven't written them all down yet. They will be later in my book. Uh, but there are, I mean, there were people that stayed at the W street apartments that dire were directly connected to Georgetown university. Marion Petty was supposedly received training and Intel at Georgetown university. And so, I mean, I mean, and, and so there are people that, that were linked to Georgetown university I think Reese, who was convicted for, for pedophilia, if I remember correctly, I might be mistaken on this, but if I remember correctly, he taught computer science at Georgetown University in the 90s. Wow. Didn't uh, the, the author of Tragedy and Hope uh, teach at Georgetown during that time? If my memory served me uh, correct, maybe it was Harvard. I don't know. What was his name? What's his name? Carol? Carol, yeah. Is it Carol? Um... 
Carol Quigley, yeah. Um, I don't know if he if he Carol if Quigley, he because right? uh, he was because he was Clinton's teacher, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. Clinton when Clinton was at Georgetown, right? And so, Georgetown of course, University professor and historian Carol, Carol Quigley, yes. And Georgetown Sorry. itself is is a well no 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 it's a well known uh uh it's 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 spook school. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, about the words, intelligence school. So and Quigley published Tragedy and Hope in '66, so it's just right around this time he's probably teaching their '50s and '60s. Yeah, I mean these connections. You know, if I can find any more, especially the it was really a big connection about um Petty's brother doing effectively the same thing that Marion did. You know, and I mean that was a big find there and of itself because it proves investigative leads memo to further be true. Um, and, you know, so it talks about, um, which, you know, I've, you have me on my channel to discuss Barbara Marks Hubbard and Barbara Marks Hubbard has numerous connections to the finders. And here we have, uh, the, one of the founding members of the world future society, Edward Cornish, uh, wow. being mentioned that Marion Petty helped found the world future society with Roy Mason and John Nasbitt. Well, we know Roy Mason, who was a pedophile, uh, who, uh, was a homosexual pedophile. Uh, he was a, uh, famous architect, um, and, um, and, uh, he, um, he, uh, worked with the world future society. He was a futurist. He worked with Barbara Marks Hubbard. Um, and you know, there, there, there are numerous connections between, uh, the finders and Roy Mason and Hubbard, uh, that can be, you know, looked through, um, you know, just various, you know, news articles and, 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 uh, um, uh, Toby Charles book, the game caller, um, so, I mean, the more I look into this, um, investigative leads memo, the more it turns out to be true. I mean, you have Christopher Bird down yeah. there. Uh, um, yeah, and he, totally legit to me, totally. Legit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Christopher Bird, you have, uh, Theodore Reese, which in many of the, you know, he was, he's a convicted pedophile. Um, he talks about him being a Reston based computer programmer. Uh, who was very uh, an active member of uh, Warner Earnhardt Seminar EST training, which uh, you know Lee Veltman would talk a lot about, um, and in kind of uh, their uh, kind of a pyramid, uh, almost mind control type aspect for the New Age uh, is what it was. But um, you know, it's 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 quite interesting that um, a lot like Michael Versace Rios. I, I you know I write about him. Uh, there's numerous, you know, there's interviews that, that he's, you know, news articles, this uh, investigative journalist, Charles Soka says that he's a member of the finders uh, and, and, and knew that he was with them. And he was very much into open up these free love uh, type uh, communities. He's a, he's a, a polyamorous and a polygamist. Uh, and still, um, he did you know, find interviews of him pushing polyamory and polygamy, polygamy and free love uh, out there. And uh, his mother Actually, I think was she the author that the television show The Flying Nun was based off? I think she wrote the book, if I remember correctly. Um, and so I mean, what do you think about this memo? It seems pretty it looks totally legit, legit to me. Yeah, it looks totally legit. Because those are all people players and they're showing connections. Like I don't know who put that together, but we still all... don't know. Yeah. Um, and of course, some of the people that are listed down here, which I'm still doing research on. One of the people that's very interesting is a gentleman named Ivan Illich, who they write as a New Age figure. Um, Charles Soka mentioned that the finders were connected to Ivan Illich. 
uh, and I couldn't prove that. Um, and then he actually, Ivan Illich, had a school down there in Mexico. Remember that the finders, um, when uh, uh, Douglas Edward Almerman and James Michael Hellwell were caught by the Tallahassee police, they gave them a card saying they were taking the special, they were taking the kids down to a special school in Mexico. Well, Ivan Illich had a special school down there in in in, in Mexico. Uh, he was a Roman Catholic priest. Some people say that he was a Jesuit. He also wrote one of the 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 the, the famous uh, books on. Um, what, kind of like a modern inst, uh, modern uh, approach to education called, uh, I think it was a schooling society. Um, and he, um, interestingly enough, uh, I got uh, telexes of the finders, uh, private messages between them, and they discuss their relationship with Ivan Illich in that telex and that he was visiting them and doing conferences that the finders were, were holding. Uh, so I was able to prove that Ivan Illich is, again, associated with the finders, just like Charles Sokol said he was, just like this memo said he was. And this part right here of these listed people, the, the, the memo that we had cut off here. It didn't have the rest of this list down mm. there. And it cut off at the, this first paragraph. Now I'm trying to find find this original Loudie, Loudoun County News article that they referenced that has all this information about the finders in it. I've not been able to find that. It's on, not on newspapers.com. It's probably lost to the ether. I have no idea where it's at. Way, um, if I can find that interv- that uh, that um, article, it'd be very interesting to see what it says because this, that's supposedly you know the person wrote you know this. Mem- this leads and they, they claim this to be kept strictly confidential. You know, they wrote this investigative leads memo to whomever wrote that article. So I wish I knew what that article said. Um, but you know, they also talk about that that Petty may have been connected to Albanon Knight. Well, Albanon Knight's connected to the Secret Right, to the John Birch Society and, and wow. into the Council for National Policy. So that's another avenue of something that like needs to be investigated. Classical- the classical old name for England, right? For mm-hmm. Pity is mm-hmm. Albion. That's Albion Knight. Wow. Those are amazing. Yeah, and they actually mentioned Andrew Weil, who has all kinds of strange connections going all the way back to Leary, Harvard, LSD uh, studies, all kinds of stuff. Those are That's something I'm trying to find out right now, if, if I can substantiate any connection to Andrew Weil, because that would be huge, but I haven't found one yet outside of this memo. But they mentioned Billy Hitchcock in there too, right? Because that's where... That is correct, yes. Leary went, yeah, I saw that name. So this guy named uh, Walt Schneider uh, was a Navy intelligence officer and was Timothy Leary and Billy Hitchcock's private pilot. Now, Willard Paulson is actually mentioned in Toby Terrell's book, The Game Caller, um, as kind of like this uh, drug addict that hung out with the finders. Uh, but he, he is mentioned there. Um, uh, Ken Keys. I wrote a, a whole a recent blog on my Substack last week on Ken Keys. And I can, uh, okay, now this is where I can prove that this true on this, right? So, um, they kind of get mixed up here when they say it's kit, it, it's, um, oh, no, it's not Ken Keys. Okay, never mind. The, yeah, it's Ken Keys, but they say, um, one of you, the, oh, please, continue. one of the real. One of the releases of the of the investigative leads memo has it long. It says Ken Kesey. Now Ken Kesey is a completely different person than Ken Keys. Okay, but Ken Keys Jr., who did find the found the lo- the living love, uh, he worked he was worked at um, Esalen 
a lot. He actually had workshops at Esalen Institute. Okay, he's a major new ager, okay? Toby Terrell writes in his book, The Game Caller, that his wife, Car Carolyn Terrell, edited uh, um, edited uh, Keyes' first book, Handbook of Consciousness, okay? I found on the Handbook of Consciousness website where uh, uh, Ken Keyes thanks Carolyn Terrell for editing. So Toby told the truth there. Okay. And, and, and the game caller, uh, 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 key says that he knows Petty very well and that he's a fellow Zen master, you know? So, I mean, most of these, hopefully I can prove almost every one of these connections if possible. Have uh, you, what do you know you, about Ken keys? You're going to mention something about him. Well, I don't, I know Ken Keyesy. I don't know who Ken key is, but I'm interested okay. if you came across anything about, they mentioned the meta network cult in Arlington. Do you come across anything like that? Nothing yet. No. Because these names are all like names from the 60s, right? They're all kind yes. of 60s uh, overlapping. But you can probably find some of these names like Willard Paulson in any bio of Timothy Leary, see who he really is. Because it just all the background and connections to me have all, all those networks like the New Age, uh, Palo Alto, Silicon Valley types, the behavior modification people. These are all people in that mix. Like I'm just waiting for the word MKUltra to pop up. Like some kind of CIA kind of subgroup or operation or something like that. Well, okay, it I'll did. Do. It did in the um, Ramon J. Martinez's report that they found manuals on mind control in the Finder's uh, uh, warehouse, I believe, or the W Street Apartments, one of the locations. Wow. So, you know. I'm sure they're, you know, I'm sure the connections are there. Yeah, but I mean, if this uh, behavior modification guy is still around, Stephen Peltz or Belts, like mm -hmm. uh, that's an interesting mm -hmm. one. I want to see if that guy's. I, I'm actually, that's actually part of the book I'm writing on right now. Uh, is uh, is uh, Belts, um, and let's see what little bit of information I have on him. Um, he had a television show called Ask mm -hmm. Doctor Belts in Philadelphia. He was once on the Johnny Carson show. He had a private psychology practice. He wrote at least three books. One of them was How to Make Johnny Want to Behave. Hmm. Um, he went to a psychology conference once in Boston, uh, uh, and Baba Ram Doss gave him some LSD. I really need to dig in more to, um, to belts. I think there's something there. Would you agree with There's that? Lot, yeah, absolutely. These guys are very interesting. This is kind of like a little like uh, you know breadcrumb trail of just connections going all the way back. It reminds me of what's the guy, the dark uh, research guy. What's his name? He does a lot of stuff on Silicon Valley because a lot of those guys were into New Age stuff too. It was uh, what's the dark journalist? Have you ever heard of that? Guy? They still yeah have. They're still uh, involved in that today. A lot True. of them are involved into the occult, into New Age, uh, especially Peter Thiel, um, Palantir. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, with all these connections, how could not, how could have Marion Petty not controlled some elements of the counterculture for the CIA or at least reported to them information that he was getting from all these prominent people within the counterculture movement, you know, Barbara Marks Hubbard, uh, Ken Kesey Jr. Um, Stephen, you know, belts, Carl Shapley, 
Um, Hitchcock, uh, Leary. Hitchcock was probably some type of intel intermediary to advance the counterculture through the Mellon Bank, Mellon family, which he was part of. You know, all those guys probably got funds or were fronts. I wouldn't be surprised if they found out if Hitchcock was an intel front. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Mellon family is quite interesting because uh, in the modern area, they got a lot of ties to cryptocurrency and uh, oh, wow. and uh, Bitcoin. Um, but, um, you know, I one of the biggest things I've been trying to um, a lot of people are saying it's Ken Kesey. It's not Ken Kesey. It's Ken Keys Jr. Uh, is uh, living love is whom is whom the finders uh, were connected with. Um, they, they were not, uh, connected with, uh, um, uh, Ken. Yeah, Kesey. you can pull him up. He actually was a guru, personal growth author and lecturer, author of living love. If you, maybe you could probably bring that yeah. up to the stream. Ken Keys Jr. So he was some kind of big name pathways to higher conscious. He has all the, the lingo down for 15 books on personal growth and social consciousness issues, selling 4 million copies. So he was definitely, uh, Esalen Institute wow. uh, had his own uh, corticopia, like his own intentional community. Uh, he wrote numerous books on New Age and on he, uh, human potential and on um, uh, the law of attraction. There you go. He's got it all. So he's a major, you know, major uh, living New love age. center in Berkeley. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's one of her. Shakti Gawain. Wow. I know her name. She was a full on. New Ager. Retreat in Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah, he's, he's all over there. Have you ever came across uh, Mankind Research Unlimited? No. Okay. And uh, uh, Carl Schleichler. So, um, wow, hold on Carl just one This yeah. guy, Ken Keyes, his major influence, or the person who he uh, influenced the most was Wayne Dyer. So he says, Keys literally got me started on this glorious transformational journey. <laughs> so the Gawain Dyer, if you if you people know his name, he's all over the place in this kind of new age stuff. Oh, he actually passed away in 2015. I didn't know that. But he was huge, yeah. He was a huge kind of new age. So as you can see, so you know, Marion Petty, if Marion Petty had a role in setting up all these people, you know, Bar Marks Hubbard, you know, Ken Kesey Jr., uh, you know, all these people, then he had, a, you know, major... Uh, he was a major puppet, you know, that the CIA was using. And of course, Mary Petty was probably using his, you know, steering, you know, uh, these movements as the game caller and of himself had his own, you know, as a chaos magician, his own freedom somewhat uh, to kind of puppet these things uh, as how he, as he uh, you know, saw fit. Um, and, you know, working, you know, a lot of people ask, well, why would Marion Petty even uh, work with, uh, the military industrial complex or the intelligence agencies. Uh, and it's because they afforded him money and freedom. The fighters were operation. They, they were millionaires in the late eighties. So he got to do whatever he wanted pretty much. I mean, there were some things he had to take orders from the intelligence agencies, the military industrial complex, you know, but he got to live out, you know, do it that Wilt mentality. You know, that was the mentality of the finders. Um, and so, you know, right. it goes with the territory. Yeah, it's really, the, the connections are just incredible web. Those are all very, like, accomplished people, most of them. It's really something. Yeah. Else.
Oswald's asking you if you know if the Finders had as many connections in Boston as they did to DC. Not to my knowledge, no. Uh, they had another. They had connections in the Soviet Union, the USSR, uh, which there are many passport stamps, even for Marion Petty, that he was able to go into the USSR uh, during the fifties uh, through the eighties. So that should tell you something right then and there that he was able to freely travel in the USSR and North Korea too. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and uh, you know there were they had a, a base somewhere in California. Um, I want to say San Diego, uh, and they had an operate uh, operative operation base in Hawaii too. Um, but I think it's San Diego. I'd have to go back and look at somewhere in California they had one. So they had the Free State in Virginia, farmland in the, in the northern part of Virginia, near Nethers, Virginia. They had the Washington, D.C. Uh, w Street Apartments, the Washington, D.C. Warehouse. They had uh, properties in California. They had properties in Hawaii, and they may have had properties or some sort of vast relationship with, with, this, with the USSR. It's incredible. It really is. Just like some um, kind of you know, Lombardi art piece of connections and draw and lines being drawn between things. Right? I people. just don't see how anybody say that he can't be involved in intelligence. Yeah, I think you're right. He has all of the aspects of intelligence, and even this whole organization, the compartmentalization, is very knowing. It's also an, uh, an intelligence indicator. Just the fact that it's all compartmentalized. People don't know that much about each other. It shows that somebody's thinking about it. You know. Somebody's intentionally, yeah. knowingly compartmentalizing and putting that together. Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, that's how you run an operation, right? Uh, and I, you know, and with Marion Petty it was maximum chaos. You know, he would claim that the women uh, ran the finders operation, which we know definitely is not true. Or he even goes far as to say sometimes the kids ran the finders operation. The six kids, seven kids, we know that's not true. Um, you know, so you know, you know, he even wrote. Um, Let's see here. When uh, he uh, after the events of 1987, he delegated someone. I guess we could talk about right now. Uh, he delegated. Uh, he said that the leaders of the finders should either be uh, between uh, Hunter Patch Adams, Stephen A. Weitzman, Esquire, who's a lawyer for the finders, or Dr. Carl Shapley. That the finders should elect them as co-leaders altogether, or one of them as a leader, as one of them. So he writes to the Tallahassee a Democrat. Uh, this is a supposedly a memo uh, written by Marion Petty that was that was hand delivered. Uh, I didn't know I was the leader of the Finders. That's the first thing he says. Second, he goes, "I thought I was just a consultant on wit and humor." And then he says, "If I ever was a leader, I hereby resign to devote my, my myself full time to Zen walking, and I recommend that the Finders hold an election as soon as possible and elect Dr. Hunter Patch Adams, Stephen A. Weitzman, Esquire, and Dr. Carl Shapley as co-leaders." <clears throat> It has kind of like the vibe of, uh, what is it? Not the Chaos Magicians. It's the Discordian Society, you know? Yeah. It's all a big yeah. joke, and you lie to the public and put out false connections. and Like, even this thing's total intel stuff. Fake falling out and pretending to be enemies type stuff. Like, they put all that chaff out into the public. That's like classic Owen. Like they've been uh, integrated stuff like that in the ONA. Yep. Which is we see that we see that with a lot of things that people uh, fake uh, being enemies, uh, like uh, 
Trump and the Clintons, for example, uh, I don't think they, you know, they were friends for decades and all of a sudden now they're not friends anymore. You know, I had one time in the 2016 election period, I believe that. Uh, now I'm not so sure. <laughs> Dude, I think, I think both elections of Bush in 2000 and 2004, those were fall guys. Both Gore and Kerry were, were yeah, yeah, were known to, they were meant to take the fall. They were put in that place to lose, in my opinion. So it's like fake, fake fighting. Wow. And did you want to show a video? In the pre-show, we yeah, we'll play. So let me discuss shapely, and I'll play a okay. video, and then you know, um, just to go. So I guess one interesting person is is Carl uh, Shapely. Now his his father, um, his father was Harlow Shapely, uh, and his mother was Martha Shapely. Uh, they were both famous astronomers, and Har Harlow was actually director of the uh, Harvard College Observatory. Uh, toward, towards the end of War II, Harlow was a co-founder of UNESCO, and later lobbied for the eventual establishment of the National Science Foundation. Uh, Carl's brother Lloyd Shapley was a famous game theorist, a Nobel Prize winner in economics, uh, who was drafted in the United States Army Air Corps uh, during World War II and worked for the Rand Corporation for decades. Uh, Carl was a director of philosophy on uh, a director of philosophy on ontology and education. He was a noetic scientist and a self-proclaimed first-century Gnostic. Um, Carl stated in a, in a defining moment interview with AJ uh, Ray, maybe I'm a little bit closer to Dan Brown when he writes about things, not only about the Da Vinci Code, but how the sciences have restricted our vision about what is going on. Uh, Carl became an ontologist uh, through the Christian science cult. Carl was a certified class taught uh, healer of the Christian science mother church. Um, and he mentioned that Mary Baker Eddy was his mentor, and uh, we're about to play some of the things that he's uh, said about that. Wow. He also was an ambassador of peace for the Unification Church Front Organization, the Universal Peace Federation. Okay, so we know that Carl Shapley was um, uh, working closely with the Finders mem uh, uh, organization or operation because of uh, many. Because um, we, you know, Marion Petty says that memo. That Carl Shapley would, you know, take over him as leader of the Finers. Okay, that's one. Two, the media then started getting Carl Shapley on the record. Okay, and Carl Shapley was like, "Yeah, I've been working with Marion Petty very closely. At least we know for the 1987, 1986 year. We don't know before then. I would assume before then. Uh, but he talks about how he visits the Finder operations at least once a month. So that's a close relationship. All right." Uh, and he discusses them and says they're generous, wonderful people who are very benevolent. They perform a lot of practical jokes and poke fun at the majority. Uh, Carl states that members of the final operations have gotten such weird press and that needs to be turned around to who they really are. Carl continues, for instance, sometimes they may say the children are in charge today and the adults get down on their hands and knees and do hands and knees and do what the children say. Carl also mentions that Marion is referenced. Marion Petty is referenced as the game caller. Carl continues further about Marion. He's one of the eccentrics of our time, a total benevolent and benign man. Now remember, he says the fighters are benevolent and benign. He says Marion Petty is benevolent and benign. But then he goes on to say, he is like a character out of Alice in Wonderland. I think he can be the Mad Hatter sometimes. And I think he could be the Rabbit sometimes. And I think he could be the Red Queen sometimes. Well, wait a minute. He just said that Marion Petty and the Finders were benevolent, but the Red Queen was the major antagonist in Alice in Wonderland and was evil and a despot, a tyrannical ruler. So that doesn't add up logically. And then he goes, 
Um, he has a kind of a twinkle in his eye all the time. Finally, Carl mentioned that he was angry at the reports that children on the Fighters Operation Free State properties in Virginia were frequently heard by neighbors screaming. Anyone who knows children knows when they are delighted, they scream. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's crazy. So this is what he says about Goatgate in and of itself, okay, about the execution of Henry and Igor, okay? He goes, it's simply like any farm. They slaughter animals. The fact they made a game out of it, I thought it was in poor taste. That's being picked up by the police if there's something satanic. That's not the case. Rather, it's in poor taste, but it's not cultish. Right. They're just told that's total BS cult language, too, convincing the public the exact opposite of what they're doing, right? Doesn't that sound like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it seems satanic to, you know, the, I mean, the, the name of the photo album was Execution. The Execution. It wasn't the butchering for food of Henrietta right. Negor. And then, you know, they're wearing these robes. Which they claim it was white robes to, to keep themselves clean, which I can understand if you're butchering animal, you want to keep yourself clean. Right. But then were they willing? Were they really wearing white robes? And then, you know, like I said earlier, you know, they're they're cutting open the fetuses and having the kids do all these with knives that are very young and, and, uh, you know, presenting, there's a picture of a, one of the kids with the, the cut off head of a goat on a silver platter. You know, this isn't animal husbandry. What is this? You know, it seems occultish to me a bit, may I say satanic, but it's at least traumatizing to those children. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. There's so much occultism involved in this whole thing. Just the fake findings, the connections, the occult book authors, the mind control. Those are all standard kind of things in almost all of these groups. This is like an early process church to me. Like all these weird connections and all these hidden people and social engineering and social programming and secrecy. There's probably some hierarchy we just don't know about in the finders. Would you agree to that? Oh, I, no, we know that there is. Okay, um, there was a There's two groups that are called the Crazies and the Zanies. Now, the Crazies were the inner circle of the Finders uh, a group, okay? That would be Marion Petty, uh, Finders member Toby Terrell, uh, uh, find, possibly Finders member, uh, supposedly, at different times, Toby Terrell is a right-hand man, right man. At different times, it was supposedly a gentleman named Stanley Burns. Uh, so, you know, there, there's... there's there, there were people that were the inner circle of the finders. Now, outside of that was a group called the Zanies. Now, that was Hunter Patch Adams' group, okay? And they were circled, you know, and then they would throw parties together and hang out together and stuff like that and everything. Now, um, investigative researcher Charles Soka says that it was well known that the inner circle of the finders, that many of the members were pedophiles. Now, I don't know who it was in there, and I can also tell you that they would take women, sometimes underage, at the D.C. bus stop under the guise of feminism, would take them, and even Toby Terrell writes about this, but he kind of gussies it up and colors it up a little bit, and would take them back to the W Street apartments for them to get high, okay, and then try to coerce them to have an orgy with the finders group or sometimes just have sex with Marion Petty by himself. And Marion Petty, not to be graphic, said, you know, in, in the interview with, um, I think it was an interview with, um, with uh, Ken Thomas and Lynn Bracken, uh, I, I prefer uh, young pussy to old pussy. 
Okay. Uh, so, you know, they were taking these women. Now, of course, if the women were, you know, over age, you know, they were over the age of 18 uh, and, and, and they, you know, they wanted to have sex because it was the era of free love or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say that those women were, you know, specifically all of them were coerced, uh, you know, in, in, into uh, to rape. But any of, 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 of the girls that were under the age of 18, for example, uh, that would be statutory rape. Now, some people say, well, John, it was just a different time. And I'd say, well, no, <laughs> it's not just because it was a different time. They were bringing them into an operation, into a cult, and then through peer pressure and drug use, which would lower a person's inhibitions to get them to have orgies. That's disgusting. It's degenerate behavior. And it's, and it's, it's horrific. Now, I don't know who was all, all involved in those orgies, but it was going on. So. And when do you think I mean, the finders? When do you think that this arc of the group was active? It was after World War II, the fifties and sixties to the, the late sixties. 60s. The sixties is when Marion Petty started gathering people for the finders operation, and it started to break apart after Goat Gate, uh, nineteen eighty-seven. There were still members that stayed on until Marion Petty's death in the late two thousands, but it's kind of broke apart. The crazies, the central group, broke apart then. It's amazing. I mean, you just see that these activities of these kind of cult groups is, goes farther back than the present. Yeah, do you want to play this video this way? Yes, this is uh, this is Carl Shapley real quick. I think you're going to find this part very interesting in the Defining Moment interview, William. So I'm going to play that for everybody. And there was I say, you asked me what had been the first thing to move me there. Yes. Then the science and the Christianity. And for her, Christianity was a, was a beautiful thing. I'm just saying I'm sorry with crusades and witch hunting. I can't agree with that. But to her, it was a beautiful thing. And her version of it was a beautiful thing. And her version of science, again, was 1870, 1860s and 1870s. And you didn't have, you know, the technology or the, you know, the quantum of today then. But she intuited these things. So she was a great, great. This is him talking about Mary Baker Eddy. In, in my early years. It's only much later when I say, thank you for the foundation. I'm going to build on it, not as an ego. I'm just going to build on it uh, uh, conceptually. And at that point, then you realize that you had, we, we had uh, Alice Bailey and with the Theosophists. You had Blavatsky and these others who had done lots of good work and along those lines and brought in, brought in uh, masters from other dimensions. They haven't gone anywhere. They just aren't here in body. And so you got uh, DK, Katumi, and 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 all these, and the master uh, uh, Saint Germain began to speak to me. So that's how I came closer to to the world of of the esoteric side than I had been before. And Christ, after all, is a Greek and term, and it's a Jewish Messiah that's going to come. So it's both Greek. And Jewish, and now and then it became, of course, Christian. And then later on, dear blessed Muhammad brought him in as one of their prophets. And so there should be a unity to all of this, rather than the fighting and the diversity. So I, I, I've said enough. I'm getting a little bit polemic. Well, well don't that, you... that exposes a lot about his views. Yep, it really does. Oh, I'm later. Bailey, she, they, and Eddie, they've all done great work. And he talks about 
he talks about being possessed by uh, Saint Germain, the ascended master Saint Germain, and that leading him further into occultism. Um, and I mean, Carl Shapley isn't just like some dude. I mean, you know, he's his parents were very high up. He actually met Albert Einstein as a child. Albert Einstein would come visit his parents at Harvard, and he talks about that too as well during this interview. Um, and he's good. There's a picture of him as a child with Albert Einstein. Uh, you know, so Carl Shapley just wasn't just, you know, this is, and this is a guy who greatly respected the finders, obviously, and worked with them. Wow. It's incredible. It's incredible. Just the connections. Like you just see all of this kind of the, the intellectual history of kind of the new age and the occult coming through this. And then, taking shape through the finders and petty kind of being the central, the game changer, right? Or game caller. What is it? Game caller. Yeah. Game caller. Yeah. It's interesting. Isn't that what they call the guy who heads the prison gang? Is it the yeah. game caller game shooter? Yeah. It's something. I like think that. so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is. There's like, which I think is fitting like that overlapping of uh, the terminology. Like I'm going to game call and send all these people out. Because really life is a game to him. What's up? So. Life is a game to Marion Petty. You know, it's a game that he believes he can call the shots. Um, well, I mean, we're at about an hour, John. How would you like to wrap this up? I mean, anything you'd like to add, or how do you want to do that? Um, mention your not, I mean, book. I, I mean, not really. Um, uh, I do have the Substack where I'm, um, you know, posting. Um, uh, one or two blogs a week, uh, trying to uh, finish up my book. I almost got chapter two done. It's only about five dollars a month, or or fifty dollars for a year subscription. And anybody who purchases a year subscription will get a PDF copy of the book when it is completed. Um, it's took a lot of research. I mean, I got to get it done. I, I I can't put everything I want to in the book, obviously, because it would be 800, 900 pages at that point. I would never be done. <laughs> like if it's in the book, I could write a whole book on Barbara Marks Hubbard. <laughs> you know, I mean, I got to cut off sometimes. You know, you as an author, you know, eventually you just got to cut it off. You can't yes, just no keep question. adding stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it's been a while. I mean, I've spent hundreds of hours, hundreds of hours of research and writing and everything on this. And, um, you know, I... Sometimes I get analysis paralysis. Me from George, from me and George from CavDead.org talk about it sometimes. And that, you know, you kind of uh, gets overwhelming a lot of the times. You know, so it kind of makes you kind of numb where you can't really continue. You know, and you also want to be right, or, or at least you want not necessarily right, but you want to be able to prove what you believe. Uh, and right. and so you know, and so sometimes you um, you know, you kind of wait to see if anything pops up later that may prove you know. Uh, what your beliefs are, or, you know, and, and, and if what you believe is disproven, then, you know, you tell the contrary of it, you know, and that's what, a lot, you know, this book, you know, a lot of people are going to come against me because I'm only, I'm only writing about what I can prove. If I can't prove it, you know, I, I can't, you know, do I think that the fighters operation of, of itself was nefarious and they were doing numerous things like gathering intelligence and collecting intelligence and, and steering the counterculture and likely trafficking and there were satanic elements involved in it? But yeah, I do. Uh, but how much of that can truly be proven? You know, it's, it's not right, an but, easy thing. But you can, can make those connections between a lot of these people, right? So, yes. Just yes, by very saying much so, that yes. they're connecting is really kind of the the beginning of the count the pre sixties counter counterculture really the post war uh, beginnings the 
beginnings of what happened in the 60s was all there in the 50s through the finders a lot of the finders connections yeah i think that's yeah true. i mean with your own I mean, research to your own research too as well uh you know i mean it's definitely connected to um i mean when they say that marion petty may have been one of the main controllers of the counterculture movement of the human potential movement i don't see how that's not true He either did it of his own volition or he did it for intelligence agencies. And what we know through Dave McGowan's work, uh, you know, Laura Canyon, you know, it's likely because of intelligence agencies he did this. Culture creation, culture. They were interested in all that stuff. Social engineering, culture and cultural jamming, cultural engineering. All that stuff was being financed. You know, it's all it was being, there was money uh, bandied around and, it's, you know, the people say it's the CIA, but you know, the CIA is the old line families and the old line families are all over this thing with Hitchcock and some of these other characters. So, so. One, one last thing, William. Um, is there anything that you'd want me to maybe look out for through all your research? I mean, I guess it's you just look for the occultism. I mean, there's obviously the occultism in this whole thing with the goats and stuff like that, but really kind of the ideas of what they're trying to do. I would suspect they're probably trying to condition those kids or the children into mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. whatever they were trying to do. You know, They were trying to do incredible stuff back then in the 50s and 60s, whether to create, you know, fractured kids or actually they were trying to find really intelligent kids and shape them over long periods of time. So the whole finders thing could have been part of something like that, like things that are top secret that the public will never, ever know. It seems like that's what these guys were involved in is really top secret type stuff. Well, Investigative journalist Wendell Minnick stated that the finders to him expresses their philosophy with two mottos, including the name of the game is do what thou wilt and maximum freedom, minimum guilt. Wow, that's incredible. So that should be enough from a, a cultish do what thou wilt. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's right standpoint. there. It's right there. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, great research, John. Thanks so much for sharing. And thank where you. Where can Mark. people reach out to you? Where's the best place? Uh, you guys can find me on my YouTube channel. We've read the documents. Hopefully I'll have you again, uh, this month, later this month, yeah, William, yeah. uh, too, as well. Um, and you can find me, we've underscore red on Twitter. Uh, and then, you know, my, my, uh, Substack. uh, just search for we've read, it'll pop up. You'll see the work that I've done on the finders. Um, and, uh, hopefully I, you know, I'll continue putting out as I'm writing the book, uh, more information. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and hopefully I'll, more information will come my way. If anybody wants to contact me, there any information they have about the finders, uh, you know, uh, we've read the documents at protonmail.com. Um, you know, I, 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 Lord knows I don't know everything. Uh, right. and there's a lot, lot of people have helped me to follow just in that one document, just figuring out who those people are and getting all their details too is really, uh, you know, like, people can help out. People can do some of their research and share it too. So. Yes, I can help very much share so. Me share with you. So again, it's your YouTube, Twitter, and Substack. I'll include those in the show notes for podcasts so people can click on the link. And I'll put that into the description under YouTube. So again, it's John Burson. We've read the documents, Finders Part 2. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Wayne. All right, take care. Stay there.